Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 80 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tick tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I know that you are dying, dying, my friend, to talk about the greatest event that your adult life has ever seen. Well, it's it was a really good Apple event that happened. Huge surprise uh, that this would be one of the greatest. Um, uh, how long was it? Like two hours, two and a half hours, like two and a half hours of your life. I guess it was two hours. I didn't really actually pay attention to the time. It went by so quickly. Because and, it was and, so perfect. And it ended with such a wonderful surprise that we'll get to after. Right. Okay. So let's 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 establish a baseline here. Of, of, so we're going to talk about this October 30th Apple event. Had really cool uh, different invitations, uh, a buttload of like really cool graphics to it. Let's pretend for the sake of uh, this podcast that I don't know much about what happened today other than something happened and i feel like that'll be a good kind of like uh, framing device in which we're going to start talking about these things we won't really go into all of the nitty-gritty details there's lots of sites that do that so we'll, we'll post some links in the show notes but i just want to get like a quick overview view of what uh, they talked about today it was actually one of the better apple events how do you define better like not boring, not too much time spent on on stuff that nobody really cares about, um, and full of surprises. Nothing really was leaked, sort of. I mean, they people kind of had the idea that we'd get what we would get, but nobody was certain about anything, and it was all really nice, pleasant surprises. Okay, so let's get through this in that case. So uh, what is the first um, uh, product of, of the day that you want to talk about? Well, uh, Tim Cook showed up, and uh, this was in New York City, uh, don't remember the last time they had an event there. So it was East Coast time, which was nice at the Brooklyn Brooklyn Academy of uh, Music. Uh, and because of that, I was kind of hoping there'd be like logic for the uh, iPad. But alas, that was not to be. But there are new MacBook Airs. Really? Yes. And I can confidently say now there's like a choice if you want to upgrade your, your laptop because you're kind of in a position where you will eventually need a new laptop uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, you actually have a decent choice. It's sort of like the MacBook Pro without the touch bar, you know, that okay. uh, the 13-inch one. Yeah. Um, but it's like the MacBook Air shape, so it's got that tapered design. Um, but no more USB-A. It's two USB ports, USB-C ports. Oh, nice. And, okay. Um, a headphone jack, which is nice to have, especially when you're editing I, podcasts. Yes. So my big thing about like uh, Apple slowly moving away, like for example, with the phones and doing away with the headphone jack is that I still require both USB and a headphone jack in order to make this podcast work. Yes. And luckily that's only happening on the uh, iPhones uh, up until today. And uh, I would hope they don't actually remove it from the Macs. Uh, I, 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 like ha- I like the headphone jack. But again, I didn't care that it got taken off the iPhone. I don't use it anymore on there because the AirPods are great. But now they have this MacBook Air. Looks really good. It does have Touch ID. Okay. That's the difference, actually. The, the MacBook Pro with the touch, without the touch bar does not have Touch ID. And this is slightly less expensive than that uh, MacBook. Same keyboard as the new ones, though. Uh, that might be a downer for some people with all these issues they've had. Do you feel like they're kind of, uh, maybe they have a fix in place. It's just going to take, it took them way longer to figure out. So maybe these uh, new rounds of like uh, of MacBooks may have uh, a fix in place. They did say this is a third generation and I think that's new. Okay. So hopefully they've kind of nipped that in the bud and gotten rid of the issues with these keyboards where like microscopic specks of dust go in and just destroy everything. So now like I would say this is the Mac for most people. The problem is it's 200 bucks more expensive than it was. Okay. But you get more out of it. Yeah. The, the, well, yeah, you do get a lot more out of it. There's a retina screen on there, uh, right. USB-C 
which eh, give or take, I guess some people like that. Uh, it but does. you're saying it's, it's 200 bucks more expensive just at, at the 128 gig level, right? Basically. Yeah. The same base model went up by 200 bucks. Okay. Still, I think it's a decent value for what you're getting and it's a good computer for sure. So this for is most 1200 bucks American, 15, 16 American, uh, Canadian. I, I think it's 1500 Canadian. Yeah. As a baseline now, but if you want that 256 gig or that oh, 512 boy, gig, yeah. like, you're, you're pushing it now at that point. Yeah. Which is a, a problem. Yeah. I do feel like I've said this before. I think that Apple tax came, keeps creeping its way back into our lives. Uh, it was gone for a good 10 years and now it seems to be coming back, unfortunately. Uh, but I'll gladly pay it in some cases. Really, because you can afford to. Luckily, yes, I, I, I do save up for these computers when I get them. I, 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 mean, I can't afford to buy a new computer every time a new one comes out, but uh, I on my uh, six to seven year cycle, I'm good. Would you even want to, though? Well, there's no point. It's such a yeah. hassle. It's such a hassle to, to set up a new computer, that, especially a new computer. An iOS device... Not that much of a hassle, but a new computer is a bit of a hassle. Well, also, what are you going to do with the old one, right? Exactly. No, my old one's fine. <laughs> the warranty just ran out, but hey. Uh, Here we go again. The, yes, the biggest horror. The biggest horror. Yes. Uh, so moving on from the MacBook, uh, what is the next product you want to talk about? The Mac Mini. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Uh, they've been joking about this for a while where somebody had emailed Tim Cook about the Mac Mini, and he mentioned it as a product that is still in their lineup, yeah. which <laughs> yeah, is like a sad way of saying it. So um, I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Like I, I had one at one point um, 13 years ago. It was great for exactly for what I needed. Yeah. you got, So like one of the initial ones, when they came out, I think it was like 2005, 2006. Yeah, 2005, yeah. And uh, yeah, the thing is, I, I feel, and I've heard this discussed somewhere. I don't, this is not an original thought, but it used to be the Mac for people that were never, uh, that never had used the Mac. So coming from a tower PC or whatever, where you can just buy this box connected to your monitor, keyboard, and mouse, and you would have a Mac. That's exactly the way that I described it um, to my coworker back in the day, because he was saying, like, why did you get a Mac Mini? Like, you know, I was a student. I I couldn't not necessarily afford a Mac, like a a full-blown MacBook, right? So the Mac Mini was a good kind of uh, entranceway or gateway into the Mac world, and a lot of the products that I was using at school were Mac-based, so it was easy to go back and forth. And that was the exact intended purpose of the Mac Mini. Now, though... It seems to be more of an enthusiast type of machine where people get it to run as their home server, like as a headless Mac and not have to think about it. Some people even use it like a, a really high budget Apple TV. They connect it to their TV and use it as that. The best part was the video they used to introduce it. Uh, they uh, made it a UFO. Pretty awesome. Really? Landed, landing in the Mojave Desert. Perhaps <laughs> that's what the Mojave incident was. Do you think that perhaps that uh, Apple is... Uh, in essence, the actual Illuminati, and these are winks and nudges about their um, uh, association with the saucer people. Well, remember when Tim showed off an emoji? He was an alien. Well, there you go, right? I, I feel like this is a little too on the nose. Perhaps they are listening to Double Density. It'd be great. One day they sh- we show up on the screen as uh, something for the podcast app. That would be pretty awesome. I feel like that would be like a bucket list moment for you. It would be. You'd stop podcasting. I would have to like head to the mountains to find you in your den filled with uh, like MacBooks and Mac Minis, of course, because I like you. Of course, but this seems like a really good product, and I do think that you're right in terms of like this is definitely a product for like it's an inside baseball Mac. The inside baseball Mac, not a bad idea. 
I mean, it's cool. And I think that like perhaps the generation that grew up with it, if they see this in stores, they may consider it if they already have like PC setups, like they have good monitors, you know? So I'm kind of curious to see um, how they take this on and how it ends up uh, in terms of market positioning. If I had some money laying around, I'd just buy one and bring it to work and connect it to the monitor right there <laughs> so I wouldn't have to use the PC. Uh, it's It starts at seven ninety nine. Uh, okay. But lots of I.O., four USB-Cs and two USB-A ports, which is nice. Uh, it also has a headphone jack, so uh, professionals can use it w- plugged in directly. Although most people that are doing professional audio on those types of computers probably have like a, a breakout box of some kind. Like, Yeah, or they're running like a USB something. It seems like a, a good value, decent value anyway. Although you can spec it up. I saw some people spec it up to like $5,000. Yeah, there's like you can get two like terabytes SSD. Like there's just a lot that you can do with this. It's like the the Mac Pro Mini. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. It's uh, the rich man's Mac Mini. Exactly. So uh, an interesting fact, though, both of these new Macs are made with 100% recycled aluminum. That's cool. Yeah, it's basically like the shavings of the other products. So they even mentioned it when they uh, announced the next product, the iPad Pro, is that all the aluminum that comes off of the process of making that gets recycled back into the these Macs, which is pretty amazing. Okay. Uh, so speaking of the iPad Pro, like the, I feel like this was sort of um, the biggest product of the the event, right, to talk about? For sure. This was the, the big deal. The creative new iPad Pro looks really nice. Kind of reminds me of the iPhone 4 design. Oh, I can see that, yeah. Where it's, it's, it's flat all around. I think you can even stand it up, probably. And they've changed a bit of where the things are. So the the smart connector is now on the back of it. Okay. Whereas on my iPad Pro, it's on the on one of the sides where you hit uh, hitch the keyboard stand to it. Right. And there's like tons of magnets on this thing, so you can uh, slap things on all over it. And there's a new Apple Pencil to go along with it because this new Apple Pencil will only work on this iPad, this new one, and the old Apple Pencil will only work on the old iPad Pros. But this Apple Pencil charges magnetically when you touch it onto the iPad. So you're no more weird uh, lollipop plugging right. onto the iPad. It looked uh, really weird. Like all the charging, like it kind of looked like it was sticking out like a sore thumb, like a literal sore thumb. It was very odd. I never actually have tried the Apple Pencil on my iPad. It's not something I would really get much use out of. It would be like a $100 toy to play with for a few days and then never use again. So I decided never to buy one. You say never now, but I feel like six months from now, like something will happen where you're like, you know what? I bought one. I don't know. I've had this iPad if, for a if year. If you were to like update an iPad, right? So yeah, I know I've had this iPad for a year and a half. I haven't felt the need. I haven't even gotten the keyboard. Every once in a while, I want to kind of get the the keyboard smart cover, and then I decide against it because it's way too expensive for something I wouldn't really use that much. I have one of the older like wireless Bluetooth key, uh, keyboards, like the Apple yeah. brand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I have that for my iMac, and I could get one for my iPad Pro, and it would actually cost less than the keyboard uh, than the keyboard uh, cover. But the keyboard cover is way more convenient, obviously. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's it's nice though, but like we alluded before, no headphone jack, which is weird to me. But I, I get it, progress, etc. But like, still weird to me. I I get it less. There's tons of space on there. Although maybe I guess with the the new LCD going edge to edge, practically. Uh, it's it's a little harder to put in a, right. in a in a headphone jack. The thing is, is I use headphones on this iPad all the time. They made this decision for a reason, right? And you know, it's probably a design reason, or you know, the way that the circuit board is integrated. Um, so I feel like there's probably like a very good reason. Just gut reaction for me is that it's unfortunate. 
Well, it's unfortunate because if it's an iPad Pro and you want Pro users to edit videos and music on this, you need plugged-in iPad, uh, plugged-in headphones. Yeah, for latency. Like I know I've tried to uh, use GarageBand on my iPhone with my AirPods, and GarageBand tells you you're using Bluetooth head, uh, headset. Plug in some headphones. Right, but it's so, not going to happen. Now, uh, speaking of plugging things in, no more Lightning port on this thing. They've gone USB-C. Really? Okay. But it's not a Thunderbolt 3 port like on the MacBook, so it's just okay. straight USB-C, okay. uh, no Thunderbolt, so you can't plug in as many things as you can plug into a Mac, unfortunately. For example, you can plug in a camera, you'll get the pictures from the camera into your camera roll automatically, like you can do on the current iPads with the uh, adapter plug. But if you plug in a hard drive, you're not going to get to those files. So that complicates things a little bit. And I guess the, the idea is that you're supposed to do it cloud I guess so. They want this thing to be a computer, but they're still sort of compromising on certain things, making it a little more difficult for certain people to use it completely. Like for us, right? We can't really record our podcast the way we record now. Right. Yeah, exactly. If we record our podcast together in the same room, we would easily be able to do that on iPad Pro. In fact, our friends at Not Alone did that for ages. They recorded uh, in the same room, on Sam's iPad Pro, and he edited it on there with Fairlight, I think, and it works really well. You can't use GarageBand, though, for podcasts, unfortunately. I find that funny. Apple pushes podcasts so much, but you can't use GarageBand on the iPad to edit, uh, to record a longer than 15-minute podcast. Right. I guess they're still like working up to that um, e- like ecosystem. I still feel like it's not there yet. And I definitely do agree that the iPad would be literally, especially with the new iPad Pro, is the best vehicle by which you can capture sound po- for a podcast. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's so lightweight, so portable, but unfortunately, it's not ideal in certain regards. Speaking of not alone, though, uh, by the time this episode drops, I should have a listener story on their Halloween episode, which came out last week. So uh, go check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes, right? Of course we will. Uh, I'm excited to hear it, actually. Uh, Sam seemed pretty excited about reading it, so go have a listen. It was uh, That show's always good. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I maintain just, Sam has one of the best podcast voices in podcasting. I definitely agree with that. I also just love the way that he unabashedly loves Post Malone, like I do. So, <laughs> double density. I, I have one last thing to add about this, and it's a naming thing. Do you know what they named the processor inside the uh, new iPad? Does it have a number in it? It's the A12X. Okay. <laughs> but it's super confusing, right? Because yeah, now yeah. I'm being trained to say X is 10, so it's the A1210. Right. I, I think this is a joke that's going to be made on many a tech podcast this week, so uh, I'll probably be late to the game with it. But still, I thought it was kind of funny. They need congruency in their naming schemes across the board. And I think that's not being addressed because I, I feel at the end of the day, like it sounds spiffy. So they, that's what they go with. But I do agree the usage of X here is a little problematic. Yeah. And uh, the promo video for the new iPad Pro, uh, read by Phil Schiller with uh, the enthusiasm that Phil Schiller has for his products. Really great, actually. Great. Now let's talk about the most enthusiastic part of your day. Uh, the part that you couldn't wait to tell me about. Uh, your. Uh, one of your favorite musical acts uh, appeared at the end of this Apple keynote and you got so excited. I kind of was walking away because I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't know who they're going to put on. And I, was, and I kind of overheard it in the background. I was like, what? And I ran back into the living room to, to see that, yes, Lana Del Rey was performing and she actually talked a bit too. It was really amazing. She was pretty funny in saying that she can't say the name of her album because they asked her not to swear. 
right uh, which kind of sucks you know she's there to promote her new stuff and she can't say the name of the album but uh everybody knows so just it. very cl- clearly very quickly the name of the album is norman <laughs> rockwell and angela i know you're gonna believe about the f word there and that's fine i just i figured that this would be a form where we uh allow this kind of thing to happen yeah that's fine I I really enjoyed the performance. It was uh, just her and Jack Antonoff on the piano. Jack Antonoff is like the pop whisperer, right? Yeah. And her voice, so good. She really, really nailed it. I heard half of the of one song before uh, jumping on tonight. And yeah, it's really good. She did a great job. And two songs, too. Really amazing. And then Tim came out and, and gave her a hug and everything. And <laughs> you hear her say, oh, I'm, uh, I'm so nervous at these things. And he said... I'm the one who's nervous. It was kind of, it was kind of cute, cute little moment among two very rich people. Trying to uh, build some kind of like human rapport, you know, like Tim Cook doesn't eat nails for breakfast or something. Yeah. And one of the, the, there was a a tweet I saw saying, uh, showing that he, he hugged her and didn't do that weird touching of the finger thing he did with Bono from U2. Oh, right. (laughs) Um, If we can find a gif of that, let's like throw that up because I'm sure it exists on the internet. Uh, so wrapping things up, pretty successful Apple event, kind of super interesting. There's a lot here. Um, consumers will be happy, I think. Uh, the iPad Pro looks amazing. Not necessarily um, in the market for one, but if ever I were, I'd probably save up for that. Like you can use Photoshop on there now, like full Photoshop. Yeah, and I'll be able to use Photoshop on my iPad Pro too, and probably the previous iPad Pro. There, the thing with the iPad Pros, Apple made them way more powerful than they ever needed to be. So even mine, that's a year and a half old is still extraordinarily powerful. Uh, this one, though, obviously blows out of the water because it's two chipsets ahead, right? Mine's the A10X, <laughs> and that one's the A12X. Zebra. Zebra, like, yes. like it, it needs more call signs in there, I think. Zebra with a Z, with an X. Right. <laughs> Zebra. Uh, so you are not upgrading right now, right? Like, you're, you're still good. No, no, there, I, have, I have no need to upgrade everything. Yeah. Everything's running fine. And that's the, like I, I've mentioned before, the nice thing with Apple products lately is that they do last a while in terms of software updates. Yeah, I definitely do agree that like their life cycle on products is astoundingly long, which is great. Uh, uh, as we've discussed earlier uh, in other episodes, like plan obsolescence isn't necessarily on such a tight schedule of them, which is really nice. So I have to ask you before we exit this uh, abbreviated tech section, um, are there any downsides? Like, were there any sour points to this event, in your opinion? Not really. Uh, like I said, I would have liked to have seen logic on the iPad. Not that I probably would have used it or anything, but it would have been kind of cool to have. Uh, and I imagine, like, uh, some sort of cloud connectivity there where I could edit my podcasts on the iPad through logic. Um, and again, the magical unicorn of lowering the price of the iCloud storage tiers would be nice. But not going to happen, though. Not yet. Uh, we're still stuck with the, the weird 50 gigabytes, 200 gigabytes, and then two terabytes. I still don't get it. Something that I thought they were maybe going to do today, as I discussed like um, with their uh, September keynote, is I thought they'd throw a trailer or something for their streaming service. Because now like there are tons of rumors flying around that like it's going to be free, family-friendly, but then if you want like regular channels, that's add-ons. And I thought that perhaps they were going to hint at it a bit, but they did not, right? No, and um, along the same vein, I thought they would have given a trailer of the new uh, Mac Pro, but uh, nothing yet. Not ready. So I guess we'll keep waiting for the streaming service and other Apple products, but I feel like the last two months have given us a lot already, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, tons of stuff. Cool. And with that, let's head over to the paranormal section of things, my friend. See you there. (laughs) 
Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. The first story on the docket this week is a very interesting one, and I feel like we need to preface this, but like, we're not trying to make fun of anyone. This isn't yellow journalism. This isn't gotcha journalism. We really kind of want to explore this topic um, briefly and without uh, judgment, I guess, right? Like, I, I guess that's a good way to preface all this. Well, I watched the video that goes with the story. The video's from um, a while back, actually, and the story's about something more recent. But it's a woman who's had relationships with ghosts many times, and now she's engaged to a ghost. Right. And she seems kind of sincere to me, although I, I think she might have issues. So uh, in December, Amethyst Realm, age 30, appeared on ITV this morning to share uh, about her lifestyle a bit and about her ghost fiancé, who she's not sure is uh, male or not, but presumes it to be male. And then um, she's in love with the ghost. Uh, No one else can see the ghost. Uh, The ghost went to the zoo with her. They have little spats, uh, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Sounds like Mr. Snuffleupagus. Kind of, yeah. So I found this was really interesting. I kind of wanted to talk about this because of the fact that um, it's very, very easy to slip into the idea of like calling someone crazy, which I think is a very problematic term anyways, right? And I do think that like there is something going on with her. I'm not necessarily sure what because, hey, one, I'm not a psychologist and two, like I'm not here to diagnose her, but I feel like the story is really interesting and I feel like she believes that she has this um, spirit in her life. Um, I did want to read one sort of funny quote though. So uh, she says, there was no going down on one knee. He doesn't have knees, but for the first time I heard him speak which i thought was really interesting um and then they are going or have had a pagan ceremony um so she met this ghost while on vacation in australia and brought it over presumably um and she was worried that he wouldn't come over but he has in fact uh done that and then um she talks about her intimate life with the ghost it's interesting she's got some uh interesting things to say about this i love her name I, I don't think realm, it's real. Yeah. I don't think it's real either. And she also like does this kind of thing for a living, right? So that I, I, I know that she believes that this is all real. But the thing with me and, and you and I both know, like we like things and phenomena that are reproducible, documentable, and and this is none of the things, right? Like he didn't land on the plane and then like go through customs. No, exactly. And she, this is this is that same thing about uh, Carl Sagan in uh, Demon Hunter World saying about uh, the dragon in his garage where. You know, it's a dragon, but you can't see it and you can't hear it and you can't smell it and you can't do anything to it. So it's like her word, but she seems so sweet and nice. It's really weird. I know I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this because of the one fact like you're saying like she, her demeanor is very positive. Yeah, and very soothing, but it, it also strikes me as kind of naive to the reality of what's occurring, right? Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if there's a, an actual medical issue there. She calls herself a spiritual guidance counselor. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what to think of this. I'm pretty sure she's not going to marry a ghost. She also talks about phantom pregnancies. Yes, she wanted a phantom baby. But I always understood phantom pregnancies as sort of like a, somebody thinking they were pregnant but not. But she defines a phantom pregnancy as a human being uh, being impregnated with a phantom. Right. So the idea of a phantom pregnancy in the classical sense is you have all the symptoms of pregnancy, but you don't, you're not actually pregnant, right? Unfortunately, it's also called a hysterical pregnancy, which I think is a very outdated term. Yes, exactly. That's, that's extremely outdated, actually. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, yeah, anyways, I thought we'd throw this out just as a, a kind of sort of interesting thing to talk about and to think about and, uh, and kind of question, like, how do we treat people who have these experiences, right? Because to me, like the hosts who I think are married, because the the also like the man host keeps cutting off the woman. Oh my gosh! I I was going to say that he's really rude. 
he was bad. Um, and they could have very easily taken the Gonzo angle to this, but they didn't, which was good. But I also feel like there was um, a very kind of like a passive aggressive, like underlying um, snarkiness to the entire segment at hand. Yeah, he was condescending. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I think that they were married and they were talking about marital spats and things. And uh, I don't know. I just I feel like it could have been way worse than it was in terms of presentation because I feel had another outlet decided to take this on, it would have been kind of brutal. Well, it is it is a crazy story. And but she takes it. She says it with such sincerity. It's very odd, but it's very hard to believe. Yeah. Also, she's claimed to have affairs with other paranormal, 20 or plus paranormal beings at this point too, right? So there may be a bit of a cry for attention there. Yeah, I definitely do think there's a little bit of that. Uh, but with that in mind, we wanted to hear your opinions about the story. If you want to go ahead and tweet us at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, same thing on Instagram, head over to double density and click on the contact button and let us know what you think about the story. We're super interested to hear uh, all of your thoughts all about this because I would love um, to sort of follow up on this and sort of see where our uh, listeners take us with this. Well, speaking of follow-up, Brian, a uh, quick follow-up to the Holy Grail stuff we talked about recently. Yes. I watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with my daughter. It was funny to hear her when, when it came time to choose the cup, you know, the iconic scene? Yes. And the, the guy took the wrong cup. He uh, he dies, which she was horrified by that scene. It was kind of fun to see the look on her face. It was, she wasn't scared. She thought it was crazy. And she looks at me and she said, well, he should have picked the simplest, plainest looking cup. That's the one that it would have been. And then I paused and I'm like, why? well, I paused it. I'm like, well, why would you say that? She's like, I don't know. And she got super shy. So she just shut down and just wanted to watch the rest of the movie. And I showed her that she was right. And was, I was kind of impressed. And I was wondering where she got that idea from. Uh, but she couldn't say. She just thought it would have been the simplest, uh, plainest one. Did a ghost whisper to her? Maybe. Uh, but I mean, let's not, not go down that route. I don't think so. I think that, like, honestly, it sounds like your daughter's very, um, uh, her cognitive intelligence is very high, right? So I feel like she understood that, like, through movie trickery, usually the least assuming thing is usually the right one. Yeah, she's a, she's an astute uh, nine-year-old. So uh, are you planning on letting her uh, travel the globe in the next couple of years? Not in the next couple of years. Maybe when, <laughs> uh, maybe later on in life. <laughs> Okay, well, you know what? Keep me updated on all of this. Uh, try to figure out more movies where there are tricks like that and kind of test her and see where it goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll take her to Alexandretta and we'll go down uh, to the Crescent Moon. You know what? Take thing. her down to Rennes le Chateau and see what she finds there. Like, could it be aliens? You know, could it be remains? Could it be the Holy Grail? Like, kind of take her there and see what happens. I don't think so. I'll kickstart this, my friend. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty funny if we get money for that. The the unwitting like family vacation that no one wants to go on. Yeah. Brought We're to you by Kickstarter. weird place in France. <laughs> Disney World or Rennes le Chateau, you choose. Double density. Uh, speaking of choices, though, uh, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the paranormal section this week. There are lots of things to watch in the world, right? And you'd agree with me with that. And um, Halloween is a sentiment, not necessarily just a holiday. And sometimes we want to keep things going. We know it's November, but we don't really care about that, do we? No, we don't. It's fun to look at scary things. So recently, you uh, had attempted to watch a series on Netflix called haunted attempted is the right uh, choice there because i watched the first episode in full and it seemed really unbelievable to me but i thought oh, whatever benefit of the doubt because they they insist that these things are true stories real people uh and it's kind of this weird like almost intervention type setup where there's one person talking and there's three or four of his family and friends just like like around them around them and nodding and smiling like there's some people that hardly said a word 
uh, in these episodes I saw, they just kind of nodded and like smiled intently and looked and reacted and cried when necessary. It was very strange. It was like somebody just sitting there and telling their story. But then the second one, I watched it. And because of the subject matter, I was compelled to look it up and see the, the real thing that happened. And there's nothing online about this except posts about people saying they can't find anything online about this. What it is, is these. Uh, there's one sister telling the story, her, her other sister's there, about their parents who were serial killers and killed hundreds of people in upstate New York. Yeah, checks out. Yeah, and her her sister's, uh, so her, her nephew took over the, the property and he has all these bodies hidden there and stuff and he knows they're there. But when you look this up, there's nothing about this. So obviously this would be something that would be a well-known case, especially if they're on Netflix, they would have reported this somehow. Right. Uh, so I watched the fifth episode because I thought it was the most dull density of episodes. It's the alien abduction episode. I, yeah. And I was worried about that one because uh, it would be a case that we know, of course. Right, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Um, it is incredibly bad. And is it a case that's well-known? No. It's, it's a case that doesn't exist. Oh, okay. uh, so once again, like you were describing, and that's the thing, uh, when they were cutting back to the woman telling the story of her sort of like continual abduction and then she gets infected and things, um, they had like her neighbor there who was just nodding a lot. It was really weird because they're sitting in a circle, but it wasn't really, I don't know how to describe it, but usually like when you have a talking head segment like that, you kind of want uh, some sort of authority going on, but really it, just, it felt like an intervention. That's a really good way of putting it. It was very frustrating to watch. It's just one person plopped down in a chair to talk about uh, his or her story. So I managed, uh, so the, the episode was 20 minutes. I managed about half of that. And then I stopped. I was like, this is just, it's too, it was also very boring. I found like it wasn't compelling at all. No, I, like I said, I tried to watch the first episode. Wasn't really that great, but I gave it a try. And then I made it about 10 to 15 minutes into the, the second episode and then realized this was garbage. Uh, so that leads to the kind of question, right? So you watch this, it, Netflix is really trying to push the fact that it's, it's real, but it's clearly not. Um, it's kind of interesting because, uh, I recently wrote an essay over on doubledensity.net that we'll link to in the show notes all about, um, how technology can help and hinder, um, the horror film genre. I feel like this kind of covers that a bit because it, I feel like tech has sort of ruined a lot of this, uh, mystique that surrounds, um, fact or fiction kind of stuff, right? Well, when we were kids, there was the faces of death stuff and everybody yes. thought that was real. Ultimately, right. That's not real stuff. Well, so it's like half and half, right? So there's stock video footage bought from news stations of like people who have been caught on tape, like jumping off bridges or killing themselves or whatever. Um, so there's, there's a portion of it that's real, but there's definitely like all of the cult stuff in the first one. Um, there's a lot of stage stuff that's like easily like debunked and very, very like amateur looking, right? So they tried to stuff the padding time in the first phases of death, um, because they know they didn't have that much footage of like real life, like grim horror stuff happening. Okay. Um, but then now this is in 2018, you're trying to promote this as real where everything is just a quick search away. Don't they know better? Like, did they not think that the people interested in watching this the most would be the most well-versed in these cases? And they'd be interested because, oh, this is a case I've never heard of. Let me look into it more deeply. Yeah. Which is exactly what we did. Well, exactly. And I think that like modernity exists, right? So in such a way that like it's uh, the entire internet is kind of like Snopes now, um, where it's like one uh, Google search and a couple of results that will give you kind of like a full picture of anything, right? Well, especially something like this, which is, it's a huge thing, like uh, serial killers in upstate New York that like a husband and wife that had their daughters with them and like murdered people in front of them and buried them on their 
property and the guy only died like 20 years ago or so, or I think in 2000 he died. According to the story, he didn't because he didn't exist. It's all garbage. Yeah. And so the other thing too is that I feel like they didn't do this properly. Like, and I'm going to reference something that I talked about in my essay is, uh, let's go back to 1999 and talk about the Blair Witch Project, right? So the Blair Witch Project, ostensibly, um, the first modern found footage film. You, I think you'd agree with that, right? I would say so. Okay. So this film gets made, right? It's sort of largely improvised, right? So the actors, um, at the beginning of each day, the filmmakers kind of drop, um, like, uh, sort of like a package for them that kind of instructs them on how they're supposed to act during the day. And then based on that, they take their cues, et cetera, et cetera. But what the filmmakers um, had done also is that they had set up a website and the website um, is still online in 2018, which is kind of cool. And like you were saying, uh, when we were talking about this, this it's kind of like the Space Jam website, like it still exists, yeah. which is great to exist, but it, it, it was meant to propagate the myth, right? So the idea that all of this was real um, was really uh, brought into the limelight using this website. And there's also like an accompanying fake documentary that was released. I think it's like a blockbuster exclusive. I had the tape for a while and then like it's obviously on the dvds and stuff but it created a myth around a story that worked whereas like with this there's nothing there like they didn't you know seo rank at all they kind of just threw this out there and like it's very easy to debunk uh very quickly it really is because like we said before you just have to look online anyone with any sort of curiosity about these cases will go look it up um, and exactly that I, I, you know, most of the, the posts were on Reddit uh, talking about it. And this was the one that really pushed people like they made it too unbelievable. There's a Reddit post I found that I, I can't remember, uh, what it was exactly. I'll see if I can find it in the, to post in the show notes, but it was kind of like buried deep in there. But one of the people actually found that the guy who was talking in the first story is actually a horror writer slash film director. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm wondering if that's just part of it. He I, yeah. he, he I, wanted to write the story and he just said, okay, well, let's use it as a true story type thing. It's not. But they have to put a disclaimer saying, you know, based on true stories, but really not. Like, right. they kind of like pulled a Fargo. I think that like their approach was entirely wrong with this, right? In the most successful movies, uh, like for example, like those that we know to be fake, like the VHS anthologies, right? Like I made you watch the, the second film, which is ostensibly like of the three, um, the best uh, number of stories I find and they all used, uh, well, I mean, yeah, no, uh, there was a lot of found footage, uh, used in different stories in order to, to tell a tale. And I feel like that would have been a better approach than, um, it's not as like schlocky as the unsolved mysteries reenactments, but it's also like not as engaging as those because the, the, these stories on unsolved mysteries were ostensibly like uh, pulled from, you know, real people whereas like this, we have no idea where this is coming from. No, and you can actually, even that far back now, if you remember the stories from Unsolved Mysteries, you can go back and look them up and there's information online. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, these are real people that exist. And I just feel like it was kind of like a weird, they should have either taken that route of like found real people, done the reenactments, or really just um, couched it in, in so much lore that like it could have been conceivably real at one point, even if it wasn't. I'll take the bunk beds story from Unsolved Mysteries over any of these any day. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's take like, so for example, like, um, there is a Japanese film series called the Guinea Big series, and they used uh, consumer grade uh, video camera footage in the eighties to recreate very, very horrific and graphic stuff that some people thought was real. They thought it was a snuff film, you know, and like there was a lot of, uh, there was some FBI involvement in that when those tapes hit, um, North American shores, but there was that element there, right? Cause these people are unknowns. There's no names attached to it. And it's also like a very, um, old, uh, grindhouse trick is to cut off the beginnings of films, like the credit sequences. So that way it kind of appears to be like a real film. Smart. 
Um, and that, you know, is very effective for an audience to work on. So for you, I guess the question for me is like having, you've watched a number of films and television series, like how would you go about faking something? Hmm. The problem is now you can't actually fake anything. Unfortunately, you really can't. People do fall for things though. Like that's the thing, right? All the, you know, the talk about fake news and stuff, uh, a quick look will prove things wrong, but people still believe it because they want to believe it. And I also think like, um, in the horror genre, there's a certain willingness to detach and let go. And, um, and that's only built through like goodwill from the filmmakers. And, and there was none of this in this case. No, this is really bad. It's, it looks really bad on Netflix too. I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to pull this stupid thing too, because people have sort of been backlashing against it. Although I'm sure there are a lot of people that watch it. Um, they're the same people that like watch paranormal witness and not really care. Yeah. I think that they just want to, uh, have something that like speaks to their interests. Yeah, I don't think it's for people like us. It's sort of like, you remember that that crummy show that Apple put out, uh, Battle of the Apps or yes, Planet yeah. of the Apps, whatever. Yeah, uh, that was not meant for people in the know of how apps work and app developers and stuff. It wasn't for them. It was for the outsiders who have no idea how the process actually works. Right. So they're just they're just looking for a good kind of scare. Like they can't name the killer from the Halloween franchise. They have no idea of the myth and lore. The thing though is like, this is the wrong jar to do this in. Right. And I feel like it's the same thing. Um, have you ever seen heavy metal, like, um, uh, headbanger journey, metal headbanger journey, the, the documentary. Is that like FUBAR? No, this is like legitimately a documentary. It's not oh, a, okay. a fake one. No. So at one point, uh, Rob Zombie's quoted as saying something. I can't remember what the exact quote is. He's like, it's, you know, metal's not a genre where you're like, oh yeah, I was really into metal for a summer. It's kind of like, it's a choice you make, right? And I feel like it's the same thing with genre movies. Like these are choices you make and uh, fans about of these genres are really rabid for what they want to listen to, right? And what they want to watch and what they want to consume. Um, and so I feel like trying to trick those people, I don't think is a good idea because they're very vocal about these kinds of things. In some cases, metal is a choice that's thrust upon you by the coast of your podcast as evidenced last week. It is called research, my friend, and I'm glad you did it. And I feel like I will be vindicated one day when finally you break and you say, you know what? I get it. I listen to it now. Probably not. So to close thing out, definitely go hit up doubledensity.net, click on the blog button uh, and go ahead and uh, read uh, the piece on how uh, technology has both helped and hurt the horror film genre, uh, which is an extension of this. And it's kind of funny that I had written this independent of us deciding to talk about this. And then we realized how perfectly the two dovetail um, with each other. Well, I wanted to talk about the haunted series and then I read your, your essay and I said, well, this is perfect because you're talking about fake as real type productions. And this is what this is, even though they're not actually telling us it's fake. It's too tepid. That's the thing is it, it's too middle ground for me because it's either got to be like so bad it's good or so convincing that it's scary and it's neither of those things no not and at all. what what it sets out to achieve is like okay it's telling a story but how is it telling a story um how are you framing the story like are you using actors you know and, and so there's like so much there that's sort of middling and kind of just like shoulder shruggingly awful yeah it's pretty sad you did a lot of writing this week though brian you wrote that and you also wrote that thing for not alone so uh look at you i know Working hard I know. using your degree it's as if I was uh, doing this for a living. Yeah. yeah. Kind of weird, eh? Yeah, nuts. <laughs> Anyways, I think this is a good place to draw episode 80 of Double Nancy to a close. Angelo, uh, I will ask you to tune in next week as we unpack the reason why we believe storks to be the one true chosen people, even though they're not people technically. I will see you around. That's going to be nuts. I know. It's going to be a three-parter, uh, I feel like. Uh, a lot of episodes uh, tend to be one part with us, but no, we're going all three. All right. Three parts on storks. Maybe we'll do the Holy Grail again. Just rewind it totally. Just reuse our notes. See if we can come up with something new. 
We want people to listen though, right? That's very true. Actually, you know what? Let's just uh, scratch that off. Uh, Storks, it is my friend. And I'll see you uh, next episode. See ya. macbook bro pro macbook bro <laughs> <laughs> the name of the album is norman rockwell and angela i know you're gonna bleep out the f word there and that's fine i just i figured that this would be a form where we uh allow this kind of thing to happen yeah that's